is doing okay with their earnings reports. NVIDIA trading up near the high of the move. Not only will it lift the other semis, will it lift this market? We got a quiet rally going, but got a nice area of resistance to talk about. Some other earnings, Etsy after the short report, we'll see, or, or kind of a short report from Andrew Left. We'll talk about Etsy. Baba, Baba comes alive. China, can that ignite the market a little bit too? Catalyst coming out of their earnings as well. We got some economic data at 830. Not huge economic data, but be interesting to see what that GDP is. And then Tracy Raniak, Zach's Research. She's going to join us at 835 to talk earnings. We got a special host today. He's going to get things started. I'll let you guys guess who that is. Let's get it going. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. All right, good morning, traders and investors. We got some green on the screen. We're up 20 handles, uh, knocking on the door yesterday's high. This has been a, a sustained rally up here in the S&Ps, but uh, certainly not a blast-off rally like what we've seen back in January. Uh, the buck is down 10 cents. That hurt the market a little bit yesterday. Uh, that's a 104.41. Bond's down almost a half a point, 124 and 5.30 seconds. Crude rebounding after yesterday's bashing. Do we have a double bottom in crude? Up 68 cents at 74.63. Gold in the red by 7.70. Trying to hold on to the low of the move. Silver going the same way. Down almost 11 cents at 21.57. Bitcoin kind of sleepy. That has a pair of lows. Perhaps a double bottom on the futures. That's up $150. $24,140. Uh, let's bring in Triple D. Triple D, good morning to you. And what's the words? How do I want to do this? Is like a a stubborn rally. I mean, we're up. We had uh, we made a, a nice move in the last ten minutes of the session, right? Nvidia gives us good numbers, and now we're just hanging. What are you seeing out there? Um, I'm seeing tech rally. Obviously, it got helped a little bit with Palo Alto yesterday. Tech actually didn't have that bad a day. There was some pockets that had a bad day. But there was some pockets of gross stocks. I know ARKK actually closed in the green yesterday. So you're seeing that continued tech. Again, I'm going to keep saying the same thing. I feel like we're just in a trading range here. We're kind of trying to find some support here around the 4,000. NVIDIA definitely helped out. But let's, you know, you look at the report and we've come down a little bit. These numbers didn't blow it away in NVIDIA. They were good enough. So you start to get into the same thing, you know, complacency here, where you get the stocks are coming down. Okay, well, now it's good enough, and we'll rally it back up to where it was just a couple of days ago. So I think you just got to keep trading the ranges here. Keep trading the chop. Don't chase moves, and I think you'll be okay. All right, let's bring in uh, Aaron Bree uh, sitting in for Mitch Hoach today uh, in the world headquarters. Young Aaron, how you doing today? I am good, Mr. O'Connor. How are you doing? We're doing good. We're doing good. So uh, uh, why don't you just lay those NVIDIA numbers on us? We'll look at the technicals, and then we'll look how the other semis are trading. Yeah, let's do it. I got to pull them up real quick. I was looking at Baba's, which also reported this morning. I know we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, also, a lot of upgrades coming from NVIDIA after uh, the numbers came of out. Course. Thank you. Yeah, very I mean, much. it's it, it's it's so funny, right? As soon as the company reports a good quarter, it goes up ten percent. Then you see, I mean, I'm looking at it right now. It's it's Oppenheimer, J.P. Morgan, it maintains overweight, all coming in. Uh, Lemons. You know, after the fact, so <laughs> Nvidia's Q1 revenue was 6.5 billion versus 6.33. So, like Dennis said, just a slight beat, and a lot of the buzz that everyone's talking about right now with uh, you know, the stock up now, what eight, ten percent. People are talking about Nvidia's AI licensing business about to come out, and it, to me, I mean, it, it, it's more of what we've seen the past month, really, since Chat GPT's come out. It's like these stocks are really running on this AI news. To me, I mean. 
I think you take the AI component out of it. The stock with NVIDIA is still up today, but I don't know if it's up 10%. It seems like that's what a lot of people are real jazzed about right now. I mean, they just want an excuse to buy this stock. And we can look, you know, at the multiple, and it's insane what they're paying for this multiple. But they've always paid a higher multiple for NVIDIA there. It was probably insane to get down to a multiple of 26 or 27 when this thing got down to about 108 bucks. So, again, we're just not in this market where it's paying to chase moves. You know, look at Baidu yesterday, oh, if you just want to, you know, look at you know, what goes back. And they didn't all. Palo Alto held up. Um, but, you know, Baidu immediately giving it all back. I mean, it opened at the high tick and then closed right on the day. So, you know, there is pockets. And, again, we can go and look, you know, what happened with Walmart. It gave a lot of it back after, you know, having a nice run. Deer is starting to leak a little bit here after popping up here. It's not always on the first day, but it seems like that eventually they start to leak here again. We're just in this market where you take the gains when you got them and the market takes them for you. I got to keep sticking with that theme. Yeah, I would just say, I'm just going, Dennis loves one number and one number only, and that is 230. I mean, look at that. We knocked on the door three, four times earlier in the month. The pre-market, it's just been a sustained bid in the stock, really, uh, after hours, also at the 4 a.m. open. So I just would use that as your swing number. I, that's a good target for me Big on number. the upside. It's a huge number. Just uh, just traders uh, out there, you blow through 230, you go 231, 231 and a half, you know, maybe 232. Be careful if it comes back down to that. This is what do they do? Yep. I, I, you know, and nothing is guaranteed in the stock market, but when it comes this high, you almost think they want to go up there and make a new high tick just to bring people in. They rarely just go on the earnings and they go right to that price. Right off the hop, they can. But once you get, you know, and the stocks trade up here for a bit, and obviously we've traded up here for a lot of hours now, the entire pre-market session, most of the after-hour session, you almost think that they're going to want to make a new high here, 231, 232, ticket. Bring some people in. Oh, here's the breakout. Let's buy the breakout. And that's not working and been working for the last year and a half. Um, and then, you know, eventually they bring it back in. And maybe it goes to 235. Maybe it goes to 236. I think eventually you're going to get another shot here. I just don't think we're in this environment where we have to chase price. The analysts obviously disagree with me because they're all chasing price here this morning. <laughs> yeah, I see Jaeger in the chat saying in the entire NVIDIA call, AI, AI, AI. Oh, buzzing. AI. Buzzy, buzzy, buzzy. I, I didn't listen to the uh to the call but it, i mean you, you got to think like behind the scenes like they're like oh well you know everyone's talking about ai why don't we just do that why don't we just talk about our ai business but i do think i mean in terms of uh i know you guys have talked a lot about different ai stocks here on the show before but um you, you know you see a lot of these like smaller ai stocks that were running i mean c3 ai has been, been around for a while but i really do think there's a potential that the best way to get exposure to to ai is through some of these bigger companies already nvidia um you know obviously microsoft now so it'll for be interesting sure. it'll be interesting to see you know some some of those smaller ai companies that kind of you know pop up who's who's able to stick around out of them but i mean for the most part right It'd be hard for me to imagine that that NVIDIA, Microsoft, Google, whatever, are going to let some of these like smaller guys catch up to them in AI. I mean, it's just way too big of an opportunity. I yeah. said it yesterday. I like Microsoft at the 250 level. We actually bounced right there at 250.34, Joel. We almost got right to oh. tick on 250. Um, we're coming out of here now a little bit with the NVIDIA call. Obviously, it's helping Microsoft here as well. So I think you got a number there on Microsoft. I think it's 250. Again, it's not going in the long-term portfolio because I don't like 26 valuation. But from a trading perspective, I kind of like it here off the 250. I have no position in it, but I like it here um, just at that 250 level. And I like the thought process of what you're talking about, Aaron, is, you know, here we are. You have that whole big run-up on the chat GPT. And then in four days, you give it all back. You've come to where you broke out from. So it's almost like you're getting the chat GPT for free from a trading perspective here. Because this is where it was before we even started talking about chat GPT. Yeah, that's yep. traded up 68 cents. Just real quick, AMD. Uh, let's just look at the sympathy plays out there. AMD up three bucks yeah. uh, on this. Uh, real quickly, I'd give you a target on this one. Oh, wow. We got up to 89 in AMD. And then yesterday, didn't quite fill the gap. 89 to 76, that's 13 when I went to school. Six and a half, that takes you up to, ooh, got a ways to go. 82 and a half, 83, maybe not today. But uh, your next daily high to contend with is uh, 79.65. Wow, we were right into your three-day high. After that, things open up. Micron, 
is uh is trading that's trading up a buck 56 that has to repay some of its move um avgo bad day yesterday getting a boost off it as well today but i saw a new one today dennis i saw What's a new that? aai stock what do you got l u n r how did we miss this intuitive machines is that the greatest name ever <laughs> Look at this that, thing. We, we, well, obviously, this has been having a move for four or five days. So, was this a SPAC? I don't Wait, know. it was up. It was it went up a hundred percent yesterday, Dennis. Or well, I'm looking at it 10, 10, 10. and I saw this thing hitting the filter, but I didn't bother to look at it because I don't know the ticker symbol. Was this a SPAC in the chat? Tell me if this was a SPAC. It, it, it looks like whenever it, you it, see them all trading at ten dollars, it looks to me like it was a SPAC. Yep, Zoltan. Thank you, Zoltan. Yeah, saying just, yes, it just, was a SPAC. Obviously, let's look to the because I haven't been following the story whatsoever, and I don't look at SPACs anymore because usually they don't move. But in this case, obviously, it must have had some deal with some AI company, and <laughs> the buzz—you can't stop the buzz. So let's go look at the day it broke out uh, here, Aaron. Um, if we go back to oh, February fifteenth, I'm going into the pro right now, trusty Benzinga Pro. Let's go see what they were doing here. Well, this a statement, which I'm not going to read. It looks like. They must have announced some type of a deal or something here. Yeah, went from I see on, on I see on Wednesday. Chain, uh... You got to read the statement. We got to yeah. jump in. Joel threw us under the bus on this one, going right off the grid here. So we didn't I, do any research on this ahead of time. It just it Looks just like... popped up twelve. The day that day it went from twelve seventy four to forty four seventy seven. I think that was Thursday the sixteenth. Intuitive Machines uh, LUNR stock skyrockets following SPAC merger. So it seems like the deal was or that the actual merger was finalized or announced last Wednesday, last wow. Thursday, and the stock went up one hundred and sixty percent. But it, it looks like it's it, it running still. I mean, it's up pre market again, another fourteen percent up to yeah. ninety four. I and I I don't know about you guys. Yeah. You guys are more the traders, I, and I, I do want to say, like when I when I talk about the, you know, when I was talking about the AI stocks and stuff, like I I tend to have a more long term perspective. I'm only 25 right now. I'm just adding stuff that I like in my long term sure. portfolio. But from a trading perspective, like I wouldn't chase this up. Yeah, I, mean, I, I wouldn't. I, and, I, and, I, and I sure as hell wouldn't add it to my long term portfolios no. at at a hundred dollars. So I, I don't yeah. know what I would do with it. I, you wouldn't do anything with it. And this is why when I see this stuff, I just ignore it because one, it's gambling because you don't know where these things are going to go. I guess if you pick it up at 10 and it's going to 1030 and you think it's going to go from that point in time, but almost always, nothing is a hundred percent, but I'm going to say in the majority of cases here, when these SPACs go from 10 to hundred, eventually when you look back at them six months from now, they've leaked away most of those gains. So chasing here is a very good way to lose money. Now, again, I don't short these things because who the hell knows? It's another way to you lose know, money. You could go at 20 and you're like, well, this is stupid. And you're shorting at 20 and now you're looking at 80 and you're just getting destroyed. So this type of stuff, you just got to stay away from. Obviously, you know, it's disconnected from all fundamentals. Just trades on hype. And you have these storied stocks. These have always existed. I mean, you know, Reddit and social media takes a lot of credit for all this. But even back in our day, Joel, there was always some storied stock. What was the rumor mill back in the day? Before we go, so let's just stop and forget. Social media didn't exist back in Joel's early days. I know what it didn't is. exist in my days either. I started in 1999. Joel started back in 86. So what was the rumor mill that would make these little small caps or smaller stocks just skyrocket back then? Where did we get them from? Email newsletters. Well, that Sunday was in the 90s. Times. But yeah. Joel's going to go before that. Oh, even. So oh, you're exactly oh. right, Aaron. It was email newsletters. I can remember like well, that's that's this. that's old. That's a long time. That, ago that's for been me. going on for a long time. The Sunday night newsletter. A uh, Sunday yeah. night newsletter. Who wrote that? I no no. I mean I don't know if that was the exact name, but I mean that was the time to put. You know, a lot of them would come out, and that would be the time, right? Because the mark, you know, people or you send it out Friday night, and then people think about it the entire weekend. Uh, but, uh, no, I mean, it, the, the, I think the newsletters, I mean, before that, I mean, just, uh, you know, the good old fashioned, you know, insiders and the, the boys, but, uh, anyways, I'm, I just going back. I'm sorry about that tangent on one Loder, more. I want to go on the tangent again. Cause it's just fun. Who was that trader in the bright office that subscribed to all these newsletters? It's not like for when I started in 1999, there was this trader and he came from the floor 
And he subscribed, Aaron, to all these email newsletters. And what he would do, and he was really good at it, he'd get to his desk really early before everybody else, and he's trying to buy these things in the pre-market to try. And, and again, now the algos are all over that. But back then, there was no algos. There were very few algos. So he'd be in the pre-market trying to buy all these up because he knew at 9.30 when the majority of market participants, because a lot of people, could, a lot of retail couldn't trade pre-market then, that they would pop up. And he made like, he'd make like 10,000 bucks a lot of mornings just getting ahead of the, on these newsletter trades. And again, you can't do it now because the algos are all over it. But what was his name? Where did he don't, sit? Don't say his last name. Some people in the chat are saying Barons. Uh, they would get like, you know, good recalls from. But I, I just want to say, I mean, Dennis, you're saying like you can't say anything's 100%. I feel very confident, right? This lunar stock's going to come down a lot. I just Eventually, don't know if, yes. I just don't know if it's going to be right now at 100, at 120, at 150. And it, yeah. I don't really feel like trying to guess that right now. So yeah. I, I'm fine just kind of going hands off on it. Sorry, Joe, it's, what were you going to say? Dennis, where did he sit? Do you remember where he sat? He sat so the, I sat in the very corner. You put me in the corner because I was the punk kid and you didn't like me very much. And then the radar sat he beside me. The yeah. radar sat beside me. And then we had another guy who just traded Amazon. And this is this is fun to like get you a feel for the bright trading office in Detroit. The other guy just traded Amazon. It's Todd, Todd I think. Todd. And yeah. he was a fabulous Amazon trader. Amazon, you think things are volatile now. Back in like 1999 and 2000, Amazon would move around 20% a day. And he would just sit there and he'd be taking heat. He'd be down 5, 6, 10% this. And then would just come back in the afternoon and Todd would just make money. And then there was the next guy, Donnie. Was it Donnie? Yeah, actually, Donnie, I, I don't remember his last name, but he killed I, it on those newsletters. See, everybody had their little niche. Like I was trading filters and looking for big bids and doing tape reading. Radar was chasing everything. And then there was Todd who was just trading Amazon. And then Donnie was a newsletter guy and he tried to subscribe to these newsletters and he tried to get, you know, try to get them as quickly as he possibly could because he knew the retail mob would come in at 930 and pop all these things up. And he did really good with that. So. Yeah, uh, I actually I was talking to one of my oldie buddies yesterday, and I got I got Donnie's number. So I don't know if I could get him. He's on an the, excellent trader. Yeah, yeah. He came, um, he came from the floor, didn't he? He came from oldie. Yeah. Oh, he's he oldie was, too. Yeah, one of the oldie traders. Oldie yeah. market maker. Yeah, yeah, one of the market makers. But uh, okay, so let's uh, let's move on from that tangent. Our first tangent with Aaron. Well, get so, used so, to it. So Joel, um, I know I know we're about to get into Baba and. Uh, Chartman stocks, right? Is that where we were going? Baba, yep. Okay, but before I, I was gonna see if I have permission to take us on a on a, on a one minute thing real quick, just because I saw something in the chat and I want I'm curious your guys' opinion because I, I you guys are way better at looking at the charts than I am. Can, can we pull up the UNG? Someone was talking about natty gas, and, oh, and the chart to me natty. is just crazy right now. I, I want to spend sixty seconds on this before we get to sure, do it. before we get to Baba. <laughs> I mean. Everyone's been trying to pick a bottom in this. The Ukrainian war, uh, this was supposed to go to 50 bucks. It hasn't. Murdered. I mean, I, I long term for me, I would not buy Natty Gas UNG until I had a green candle on a monthly. You can't I, buy I, this long term, though. And yeah. that's the other thing, too, is you can't stick these vehicles in your long term portfolios because the like the rolls, because they're always rolling over, just kill you. And if you look long term, they just continue to leak lower. So it's these are tough long term vehicles. If you want to be long natural gas, you got to be long the natural gas producers. You got to be long, you know, the, the companies that are out there, not the actual UNG. UNG is a trading vehicle. You stick this in your long term portfolio, you are bound to lose. I mean, there's periods of time where it goes up for sure. But you got a 10 year time horizon, you're sticking UNG, you're probably going to lose because it's a simple cost of carry in this thing. So, you know, it continues to roll. They, they buy the, you know, they buy the next month and they're always selling the front month because they don't want to take, you know, physical possession. And they're always doing that roll and that roll costs money. There's cost of carry costs here. Same thing with the USO. It's the same thing. These are good trading vehicles, but long term they tend to uh, deteriorate just because of that roll. Show that chart again on the USO. Show that chart again because people don't realize. This is the USO. Yeah. What's the high? Oh man, over nine hundred almost. So you think about it. Oil is not that far, fifty percent off all time highs. So I think we got to one forty seven. But here you have it, you have the vehicle, and this just shows you how much you lose over the course of time owning a vehicle like this. You don't want to own vehicles. These are trading vehicles. They're fine for trading. I trade it all the time. Short term trading, they're good hedges. You can do, you know, whatever you want with them. But long term, you should not be investing in these things because long term they continue to leak. Put UNG back up there because we're teaching something here right now. 
Because a lot I'm of people. Lear- I'm uh, learning a lot. I hope people. Look at, oh, look at the UNG. What's the all-time high on that is- thing? Or what's the high from? Not maybe not even all-time high. What is that? Two thousand nine, two thousand ten. Yeah. What's oh, the high? Two thousand forty-four. Two thousand dollars. Now it's seven bucks. You see, even though natural gas probably over that time frame is not nearly down that much, the continue rolls, the way these are structured, continue to leak out the, the you know leak out that little bit of premium. You're always paying. They're buying the next month, and they're they're selling the front month, and they continue to do that. And that structure continues to cost money. It's cost of carry is what it is. Not long term investing vehicles. Sam so can't... again, now continue to your technicals. Because I'm just saying, don't put them in their long-term portfolio. They're not good ideas. He's saying it looks worse than a than an altcoin crypto chart. Um, but all right, thank you guys for taking a look at that real quick. I know that was off off, off topic, but let's go ahead and uh, transition into Baba into some of these Chinese stocks. Sure. Um, Baba trading higher this morning after the company reported better than expected earnings. Let's go through some of those numbers and see uh, what the charts looking like. EPS smashed came in at. Uh, 2.79 adjusted versus the two, uh, 237 estimate sales at uh, uh, 35.9 billion versus 35.7 billion. So slight beat on the sales, but that strong EPS beat stock trading up, of course, about 6% this morning above $100. I mean, this thing was what what this thing get down to 60 bucks a couple months ago in october oh, no, it got into the 50s didn't into it? the 50s 50 that, that's like almost an all-time low they've grown the earnings like crazy and the stock almost hit an all-time low when china was basically uninvestable and i'm still not sure what the geopolitical risk if i want to I want to invest in china but i'll tell you the forward pe on alibaba right now is 10 <laughs> i mean if you think it's safe to invest in china this is a nice pullback here. Now, again, it's up six bucks. It would have been good to talk about it yesterday ahead of the rally, but 120 down to 100. I mean, the 90 area would have been nice, but now you're rallying up. But on dips here, if you think invest China's investable, and I have very little money in China now because I'm really still concerned about the geopolitical risk. I wouldn't want them if they if is there if they ever do invade Taiwan, then you all of a sudden they're going to be like you know oh. a Russian situation going on here, and you know you saw what happened with those markets. So I'm scared to invest in China for those reasons. But I will tell you that this stock is dirt cheap from a PE multiple. So if you think that you know we're going to repair our relations with China from a geopolitical perspective, then the stock is cheap. I, I if I if you don't mind, Dennis, me just kind of playing devil's advocate sure. there and kind of why Please. I I would be okay with investing in China. Um, we, as far as I can, as far as I know, China is still our biggest business partner in terms of, uh, of other countries between yep. the U S and, and China, uh, any type of, you know, you're saying we're going to rebuild. I mean, that business relationship hasn't deteriorated. Some things may have, you know, there might be some more, uh, kind of like squabbling going on, but in terms of our business relationship, that hasn't changed. And if that does, if we pull out all manufacturing, you know, whatever, or we, uh, stop bringing stuff in from China, we stop uh you know manufacturing there like that would have a, a significant significant impact on our economy as well a negative impact at least in the short term i know a lot of people uh you know we, we are bringing more production back because covid kind of exposed that having basically all of our production especially for like medical stuff is actually a big national security issue to be that reliant on uh, outside supply chain um on outside supply chains but i still think like something drastic would have to change and if you know, we've been doing business. China's been our biggest business partner for the past 30 years. I'm I'm not in the camp that I think that's going to go ahead and I'm going to wake up and that's going to change tomorrow. I mean, I know the Taiwan thing is the biggest risk, but even that, I don't see that happening like anytime soon, just because I think even China knows that could really be the catalyst for like, you know, Russia, Ukraine, it was a big deal. And people talked about that maybe being the start of like a bigger war. But I think China, Taiwan what could potentially be an even bigger deal than that. So I just don't like if there's like this huge big thing that could happen to change everything or just stay the same. I'm more in the camp that I think things will stay the same rather than some huge change happening in the in the, in the next like year or two. Yeah, and if I believe that fully, I would be in Alibaba here right now. And I don't know which way this is going to go. I just, you know, for me, and especially in my long-term portfolio, I always analyze risk-reward. And, and I that's... look here, and I'm like, this is, you know, nice reward. I mean, the stock is cheap. I just can't get by that geopolitical risk. I just can't get by that our tensions with China have not improved over the course of the last year. It's probably deteriorated. 
from a geopolitical perspective. If you take out the geopolitical stuff and throw that out the window and say, it's just like you're saying, Aaron, we're just going to continue with business as usual. Alibaba is a screaming buy. If yeah. you could take that out. And again, I don't chase. I don't buy stocks when they're up 6%, but you get a pullback here. Like, I mean, Baidu pulled back yesterday. But a lot of these China stocks, if you take out and just eliminate the geopolitical situation, I think they're all screaming buys. The problem is the geopolitical situation is real. The problem well, is what... it is a risk. And that's why I just can't I can't quantify that. I don't know how to quantify it. And I'm a quant. At, at best, really, I trade and invest quantitatively. I can't quantify it, so I just stay away. But I think you have a lot of people staying away. And a lot of people are staying away. And, you know, it would have been nice to go on these things in October or November. I mean, it's been the correct play. I had Alibaba in my long-term portfolio for long seven time. years. A long for seven time. years. I had bought it originally at around 120. I sold a piece around two two hundreds, And then I sold the rest of it around 230, I think. Because I was worried about one. I was worried about specifically Alibaba with obviously what was going on with Jack Ma. But, you know, the second thing is, you know, there was geopolitical tensions that were already growing back then. I took a lot of heat when I sold that stock. People you were did. like, man, you you know, why are you selling Alibaba 230, 240? I'm like, I get it. The P's fairly cheap here now, but I just can't quantify all these other risks. I'm glad I did. It's down here at 100 bucks here now. But now looking at it here, I mean, there's the potential for a lot of profits here if you can eliminate that geopolitical risk. Yeah, but which I is going to be nearly impossible do to do. Nearly impossible. Well, well, to if, do. if you if you said okay, like with with all the numbers, PE, you know, Baba should be trading at I don't know, just throw out a number, say like 200, and it's at 94 right now. You can say okay, these geopolitical risks are being priced in. Oh, totally. You, you know, basically 50 percent from where it would be trading at. Um, but Sam King throw a comment in the chat, basically saying, which I. You know, I, China stocks would get hit harder in this situation, but kind of the way I look at it, too, is it's like if I had all U.S. equities, right, Amazon, Meta, whatever, and we go to war with China, those stocks are getting hit, too. So from a risk reward perspective and these China names are beaten down with that geopolitical risk already baked in, you're still exposed to that geopolitical risk from other. I mean, unless it's, it's really just, you know, if it's just China and Taiwan and we're not involved. So obviously the Chinese stocks would get hit way harder in that situation. Yeah. But but I do think right bad news for our economy, bad news for our equities as well. If there is some big fallout with China, which is why I don't see it as some like huge possibility next year. I mean, if I, we I go to a war wrong. with China, hey Dennis, Dennis, eight twenty eight. Yeah, I'm yep. gonna go. It's eight twenty eight. We got we got GDP coming up. We also yeah. have jobless claims coming. Those are not the biggest numbers. Two numbers on Baba. I'd be a buyer at ninety. That's half of the rally that you had. And Good uh, level. That, Yep, and then one twenty. I mean, I, I can't really stick a good number out there. That one twenty is major. That's major on the monthlies. But uh, we got some numbers coming up. We're yeah. we're knocking on the door of yesterday's high, and this is you know the my. This is where the bulls can assert some control. Your pre market high stands at twenty three fifty. Wednesday's high was twenty five. Uh, Nvidia over thirty has given us the boost here. So that's what I'd be looking for. I, I would. Absolutely not want to be short this market if we take out yesterday Wednesday's high at uh, two twenty five. Aaron, you got the number? You got uh, any preview numbers? Or are we just going to go off the price action? We're going to go off the numbers. So the uh, the forecast for initial jobless claims is one hundred ninety seven thousand. That would be a a, a three thousand uh, increase. It was it was one hundred ninety four. A thousand last week. So we want to see, I mean, from a market perspective, I think we want to see the jobless claims go higher because people uh -huh. will be like, oh, that means the, the you know, the Fed will have to cut. Um, and then, of course, for the GDP, the estimate is 2.9% for the Q4. I mean, that's a, that's a huge quarter, right? Two point. I you know, think dips get bought as well. I'll say before, if we get a significant dip, I think it gets bought. Okay. All right. And that would be, I got your dip by an area of, if you're oh. brave on a quick spike, 14 and a quarter. Let's see if we get there. We're bouncing around. The algos, the algos are keeping a pretty tight range. You did have a spike pretty up tight. to 2450. And then I mentioned that 25 number, folks. And that, uh, so far in the first attempt, it was turned back at yesterday's high. But there's still a bid here. Bids are weakening. Bids are falling. We're looking to look at mid-range on the session here at 14 and a quarter. We could be there momentarily, uh, trading 15. So right now, that initial pop is running into problems at yesterday's high. We're back half uh, halfway range on the session. So give us the numbers. 
Um, let's see. We got to go to our trusty Benzinga Pro. Well, GDP Very I'm trusty. seeing here, uh, 2.7 versus 2.9. Wow, and 3.2% prior. So that's half a percent lower than the previous quarter. But you would think people th th would like that. Say, okay, the economy is slowing down. That's good. That means inflation should dry. I, I don't know. I don't know what people want or see. Jobless claims came in. Uh, 192. I'm seeing on pro the uh, 200,000 was the estimate. So that came in lower than expected. So you kind of have the jobless claims showing good, strong economy, GDP lower than expected. So you can see those wow. algos kind of battling it out um, there. Oh, wow. I mean, all right. Dennis said he, he thinks dips are going to get bought. We'll see because it looks like we're dipping pretty hard here. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, as I mentioned, uh, you just missed yesterday's high. So keep an eye on that, folks. Uh, you know, moving forward with uh, potential double top right now. Trying to hold in here mid range on the session. We did get a little bit uh, 40 12. So uh, right now, very uh, orderly market here uh, from what I could see. I mean, you got the pop, it was sold, and you got a dip. And right now, there's bids out here. Uh, if we lose this mid-range on the session, I don't think that would be good. I think you'd have to wait until your closing price of uh, 99 and a quarter. We haven't seen that yet in the pre-market. Uh, the pre-market low comes in at 4005. So right now, the bears, the bears are a little bit in control here with the uh, lower GDP reading and the uh and the what the hot jogless claims number here. So uh that's what we got. We got a uh, we got resistance. Resistance is resistance until it's taken out. I don't know if we're gonna get triple D uh back here. No, we've already had our our CPI number. Yeah, I'm trying, I'm looking at buying the dip here actually. So okay. I'm trying to find the dip right there. You want right at that four is, is four uh thousand? Could that be a psychological level for the for the SP? Yeah, right I here? think so. I just think with the NVIDIA news and stuff, I don't think this GDP is enough to take us red. So I just think it's another opportunity. So I'm trying okay. here. Well, and, I bought and I a think, little bit. I've been buying a little bit of uh, them. Yeah, I've been buying a little bit of IWM actually. But I, I think too, like zooming out a little bit and keeping in mind like where we are in the market, you know, a, a few months ago when SPY was at, I don't know, 350 or whatever, right? Everyone and their mom was talking about, you know, this big recession that was coming. It wasn't even a, it wasn't even a question of if we were going to get a recession. It was just how long is it going to last? How bad is it going to be? Right. It was it, every single bank, whatever, were saying we were going to have this recession. We kept getting these good uh, economic numbers and, and people basically saying, wow, how is the economy holding up despite the fact that we're uh, racking up interest rates? So then the, the market started coming back. Hey, maybe we're going to avoid this recession. And now we're going back down again. And I don't know why, like, I understand we got probably too extended too quickly, but, uh, you know, like, okay, so now the Fed's going to have to keep rates a little bit higher for longer. Haven't we proven that, that, that these companies can, can handle that for at least a little bit? I, I think it's, 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 we went too far too fast and now I'm getting close to thinking we're going too far back down again and I want to start buying again. Uh, I, I mean, I, I think I think you're right here, Aaron. I just think we're gonna be in this choppy range here for a bit. I think the economic numbers are wishy-washy. They really have initial job between 192 versus 197. I mean, I just think everybody got too bullish two weeks ago, and now everybody's turning full-on bearish, and we're going back down to the lows, and we're retesting. And Dan Nathan's parading around on CNBC that you know we're going back down to the lows. I think we just keep shopping up, and that's what I've been calling for. And I'm not sure if you've been listening, Aaron. I've been trying to just call for the sideways market where we're just going like this for the next month. And how do you make money in that market? You're fading moves. You're buying dips. You're shorting reps. You know, you're selling into the reps. You're buying into the dips. You're just, you know, contrarian market. You know, it looks like it's breaking out. No, we're selling that. It looks like it's breaking out. No, we're buying that. That's the difference. You know, when you're in a momentum market, new lows beget newer lows. When you're in a contrarian market, new lows. Equal back up to highs. That's just how we go. So I think we're in a contrarian market still. That's why on this, you know, number here, which is wishy-washy, I don't think we just tank and give it all back today. Let's look at the evidence. We've got NVIDIA blowing it away. Alibaba, which is a major, you know, um, obviously uh, stock over in China. It's got good earnings and it's trading up significantly too. Do we honestly think they can take the S&P red on this GDP number? I don't think so. And that's why I've been dipping and, and nibbling in and buying some of the indices on this pullback here that we're just experiencing right now. We're starting to come off the lows here now, so starting to work that trade. Obviously, you know, you get the initial numbers, and, you know, things can happen very quickly. But, you know, as of right now, it just feels like we're um, still just going to be in a choppy market. 
Yeah, I, I it's still uh, the thing is, is with you know, if you're if you're stepping out on the long side here, right? I don't know whether you know, when you're looking at your stocks and you're looking at yesterday's low, that's going to be quite you know, each individual is different. But I don't know. I, I I don't have a good place like to buy the dip here. It'd be real. It'd be closer to yesterday. It'd either be yesterday's closing price or yesterday's low. Because I just like right here. I still kind of think we're in no man's land. And also to buy, I think I would. You know, and it's different occasions. But I'd be more like right now. I'd be more willing to buy this if it busted. If it made a new high on this session. And it took out the previous day's high. I think he got some upside. And then I'm looking at the closing price. I think the best thing the Bulls could do here is defend that pre-market low. Like never let it, you know, hold that pre-market low, set the bid, set the bar above that, and then step up and move it, move it higher. Do we have a do we have Tracy in the background yet? We do. I see our guest hanging out backstage. Uh Joel, what do you think? About time to bring Tracy on? Sure. Yep. Yep. 837. We're a couple minutes late. All right. Let's go ahead and bring Chasey, or Tracy Reiniak, uh, the senior equity strategist at Zach's Investment Research. Without further ado, let's give Tracy our special intro. Bring her on. Hello. Hello, Tracy. Hi. I, I don't think I've ever had this special intro before. Is that new? That's that's dramatic. <laughs> yep, they uh little bells and whistles and uh yeah. spruce things up a little bit. Where uh, now I know we were on last time and you had a Michigan shirt on and I wasn't here. Have I know. you been on since then? No. I apologize. You wore a Michigan <laughs> shirt and I wasn't there that day. So uh, but, but maybe that turned out to be the curse. Maybe uh, I I I need to not wear it. Because it, it was not a good outcome. Okay. So, Superstition. That's in the yeah, markets. That's the last time I'm doing that. All right. So give us some uh, some big data here. The overall data on uh, S&P 500 companies. How many reported? What have you seen so far? So through yesterday, so this does not include today's, like this morning's reports, we had 429 of the 500 in S&P 500 have reported for fourth quarter now. And taking a look, it's down 5.1. They uh, Our estimates and the analysts expected to be down 5.7 when the quarter actually is completed for that quarter. But, you know, that's looking in the rearview mirror. So it is what it is. We all knew that, you know, the earnings were going to come down in, in Q4. But looking at Q1, expected to be down again about, I think it was 8.5, maybe coming down in Q1 here. Yeah, 8.5. So, but those estimates keep going down because as the companies report, some of them are like, eh, it's not going to be so great, or we're only going to give guidance for Q1 and nothing else because we have no idea. And so the analysts keep adjusting it. And What if you took out energy? What if you took out energy? Well, energy, the earnings have been much better, so that actually makes it worse. Um, it's going to be down, uh, uh, do I have it? Oh, 9.6. Yeah, 9.6. 9. 9. Finance uh, is one of the big drags in Q4, which is interesting. I think most people weren't thinking finance with the Fed raising so aggressively, the earnings would be, uh, you know, falling there a bit, but that's going to reverse here in 2023, but a lot of the banks had to put in uh, reserves and get ready for possible losses, the pain that the Fed keeps talking about. So that always impacts the earnings when they got to put in the reserves. So we had some weakness there. Tech actually down 18% in the quarter. So we know, and that's that's not surprising either because that's where the layoffs and everything has been. So you know, look where the layoffs are, what industries those are in, and then you can you can basically match it up with what's happening on the earnings front in those industries because n- nobody that I know of is laying off in energy, <laughs> nobody. So, so we had lower, you know, er- earnings weren't weren't that great for the most part. Uh, guidance hasn't been that great. So expectations for Q1 aren't that great. No. And you had a nine percent rally in the market in January. What what makes sense of it for me, please? 
Um, you know, just coming off those lows, really, uh, you know, the new calendar year, we did see this in 2000, 2001. After that sell off in 2000, people are like, oh, the worst is over. Let's get in. Uh, the, this January was the biggest January rally for the NASDAQ since 2001. <laughs> the same kind of thing happened. That rally petered out and then, you know, slid into April, basically. So I'm kind of expecting the same. I was listening to you guys talk about how we might be market bound here for a while. That could be true. But I, I don't think we're going to hold at these levels with what the market is now trading at. The S&P 500 is at 18 and a half times for 2023. Those, as those estimates keep coming down, but the market goes up, you know, it's getting more expensive, not cheaper. And I've never really seen a big market rally coming out of a bear at 18 or 19 times mm. on the S&P. So that's my problem with it. <laughs> Holding. Uh, Tracy, so I'm curious. I I'm Aaron, by the way. Nice to, to meet you. Um, so you, you mentioned the layoffs in tech. And we, we, we obviously, I mean, we talk a lot about, you know, Amazon, Meta, Apple, all these big companies. And all of them were laying off a bunch of people. And everyone, you know, I think that, that, that went a lot into everyone's sentiment. Um, basically thinking, you know, okay, we're doing mass layoffs, entering this recession. But then the, the labor numbers, the jobless claims and everything kept coming in good. Do you yeah. see the tech layoffs as like indicative for the overall economy or not necessarily? No, not at all. Why, why is that? Uh, because they just overhired. You know, they the boom was too big. They, they got, you know, money sloshing around. Sure, we'll hire an extra 10 people in that division. Who cares if they're not doing anything? I mean, I think we all could kind of talk to some people <laughs> at these companies who really weren't like, you know, crushing it. And, and so now they're getting rid of some of that. But the other industries don't have this issue at all. I mean, there are still genuine shortages in many industries. Just look at what's happening in nursing. Um, you know, even uh, again, I mentioned energy. Energy can't get anybody. Like if you go on uh, Baker Hughes's website and look at their jobs, they had something like 500 job openings just in the U.S. alone. They are global, so there's more everywhere else. But uh, the first job I looked at a couple of weeks ago, software engineer, because everybody wanted to go to Apple, Google, these places. Now they're being laid off of there. Some of the talent will be distributed, but there's there's plenty of industries where there's just those job openings. The baby boomers retiring at 10,000 a day now. And for, for years, the, the demographic guys have always been saying, like, we're going to be doomed when the baby boomers finally leave the workforce. And we were like, nah, that, you know, look, it hasn't happened yet. But it does feel like it finally is that a lot of them stuck around after the Great Recession because their stock portfolios got hit pretty bad. So they stayed in the workforce a little bit longer than they might have others otherwise did. And now they're getting out. And we really don't have any solutions to how do we refill these jobs? Um, and then we have some other uh, areas like infrastructure. Nobody really knows how we're going to do build all those bridges, really. We really don't have enough people on that end either. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, it is much more limited to tech. It's going to be limited to the companies that were like the SPACs, the IPOs, those that didn't go public, but are, you know, VC companies. I've heard some millings about here in Chicago about some of the startups, maybe doing another round of layoffs coming up soon mm -hmm. because the money's drying up. And suddenly it does matter you know, if that person is actually doing anything that you're paying right there. So yeah, tech is going to be the hardest hit, but I do feel like a lot of that talent is going to rotate into these other areas that aren't getting hit as hard. Good for them. It's good for the economy. You know, suddenly agriculture, healthcare, energy, these other areas that weren't as glamorous as like true tech will get a lot of these people. Um, and I think that's a little conundrum for the Fed, right? Because look at that jobless claim again, 192. That's insane with all the layoffs we've heard about. They are either aren't filing or they are jettisoning 
into somewhere new like fairly wow. quickly so that's amazing yeah. that's an interesting statistic uh we're on the line with tracy Reiniag. she's a senior equity strategist at zach's investment research uh just going back to uh you know the valuations with that january rally i mean it got us up to 18 and a half percent which is we know historically high uh, Zach's consensus is fallen uh, to two fifteen from two forty two. Where, where, in your opinion, do the earnings have to get to before you start, you know, start doing some serious uh, bottom picking? Well, I'm a little more bearish than some others, and I, I do think tell. it's going to go under the two, uh, the two hundred level wow. before we actually, you know, bottom out, because uh, you know the Fed. The Fed's going to have to go probably further than what everybody is assuming. I think it's interesting that basically last year, at the end of last year, there was one analyst, and I can't remember who it is, who was saying, oh, the Fed's going to go to six. He was kind of like the outlier and everyone's like, okay, you're kind of crazy. But now I'm hearing a lot more talk about possibly that the Fed is going to have to go to six. And so that's going to, you know, it's going to hit. And it's going to bring those uh, valuations down. But, you know, some of them, uh, I, I don't know. There's still cheap areas. I'm the value stock strategist. At Give us a couple. Time. Give us a couple here. Um, well, energy. Energy is still cheap. Still Okay. Still people, looking at the oil. People don't patch. like it. Energy does look, it's been holding up well while the WTI has come down. If WTI really does break down under the 70 level and that is where the us the spr they're supposed to be buying there so it's supposed to put a floor under but if it does break down under that i feel the uh stocks are very uh weak here and we could see a further just bigger breakdown finally in the stacks but i do think that'll be kind of the bottom in the energy and it is a good buying opportunity uh because those earnings are coming down this year off wti and natural gas coming down but we don't know what's going to happen by summer and even coming down off of last year's record year, they're still very attractive here and paying, paying out to the shareholders, the big dividends. And so I still, still in an energy bull and I know most people hate it. Um, I see you have a couple, the- a couple choices, a couple particular issues um, that you're looking at. Yeah. I, I do like last year I was big on the producers because mm-hmm. They're unhedged. That's where you want to go if crude is over 100. It's not anymore. So the service side, uh, that's really picking up. So I like all the big service guys. Baker Hughes, which is BKR, Schlumberger, SLB. Well, I guess they changed their name now to SLB to appear like less energy-ish, I guess. (laughs) Um, Halliburton, HAL. All three of great free cash flows. Uh, shares have rallied, still fairly cheap, and they're just seeing the demand. They're drilling more. Uh, uh, Guyana, Suriname are the two big areas. Uh, Middle East is picked up on capacity. North America, not so much because our producers are like, eh, we don't trust this rally, and we're not we're not investing in the capex yet, but they will. And when they do even bigger business, so it is one of the industries where earnings in energy are on the rise, are on the service side. So I do like the service. Some of the refiners aren't bad here. Um, and some of the producers, if they come down a little bit more, they'll, they'll still be attractive. And I don't mind big oil, but they've had a big run. So it's not as cheap for me like an Exxon or a Chevron. But if we have this breakdown, and those stocks do come back down a bit, then I would be a little more interested. Tracy, so. something I'm curious about, uh, do you think there's a possibility, you know, maybe from retail traders, but maybe also from like institutional and the big guys, that there's really a lot more focus on some of these like value names going into 2023, just from people that have been like burned by big tech names over the past year saying, okay, I don't want to get into, you know, some high valuation company right now. I'd rather buy something with a, with a low PE. Like, do you think that that's, uh, could potentially happen? Well, that was supposed to be happening. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> At the end of last year, everyone's like, growth is dead. We have to buy value. And we d- have seen rallies in a lot of the value stocks. So United Rentals, they're still cheap. They're trading at 11 times. I think they're at all-time highs right now. What's the symbol on that one? URI. That's what you're going to guess. Okay. Um, and so they, 
you know, huge beneficiaries of the infrastructure plan and, um, you know, earnings on the rise there. So people have been piling into some of these types of value stocks. And I still think the rotation will continue into those and even into, dare I say it, the banks. Who's Ooh. talking about the banks? Okay. Ever? Why All would right. we? But we're starting to see some uh, new things developing there. I have heard many people recently talking about savings accounts at the banks. That's that's very helpful for the banks. If I suddenly start putting some of the money I might have put into stocks or even bonds into just a high yield savings account, they'll make money off me doing that. So we are starting to see some of the earnings change on some of the banks, but we need the Fed to keep rates higher for longer for the banks to really pick up momentum. But they've been hated for so long, even longer than energy, I want to say, that, you know, some of the banks could could see something here. Okay. What about any expensive stocks out there? Any that you're just like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this thing's trading up here. Any expensive stocks you want to mention? There's many of those. And that's one of the reasons I'm cautious here. These are companies... I like, they have great fundamentals, but like a Ferrari, race is the ticker. Yep. Um, great. I love Ferrari, but it's just too pricey here. It's trading over 40 times. Mm. And with the Fed still raising, like I, I just can't stomach it at that level. And Elf Beauty, again, another great fundamental story. The beauty side is hot. Those shares taking off. They, they have beaten Ray's two quarters in a row now. So I love it, but I just, it's over 50 times with that one. That's, that's not the sign of a bottom there. I don't think. Um, what about so Ulta? I, what about Ulta, Tracy? Ulta is expensive, not as bad as Elf. We haven't got their earnings in yet, but because beauty is strong, but um, I've owned Ulta for almost 10 years in my own portfolio. Nice. I'm not at. Yeah, great yeah, call. Not, great call. It's been, more yeah, than, it's been yeah. a killer. Um, I bought in when the last CEO decided to buy some shares, Mary Dillon, 2014. The old insider buy trick. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, I, I still like Ulta and I do expect this quarter to be good. I think the report next week, maybe it is. Um, but it is a little pricey here for me as well uh, with what's going on. But I don't think the consumer is going to pull back that much on the beauty side, even in a recession. It's huh. just something a, that, lipstick, you know, there's a lot that. of, yeah, there's a lot of ways which Elf Beauty is a beneficiary of because it's on the lower end of the price point. So I can move down. I can go from <laughs> the higher prestige cosmetic down to the drugstore uh, level point, but I'm still going to go to Ulta to buy it. Okay. So. All right. We're going up against the clock here. We've been on the line, Tracy Yarniak, Senior Equity Strategy, Sags Investment Research. Talking a little bit cautious on the market here, Tracy. I, I really yeah. appreciate you coming on today and uh, talk to you again soon. And we need to beat Rutgers tonight on the road. And that is going to be a tough task. So thanks yeah. again, Tracy. Okay. Have a good one. Thank you, Tracy. All right, sustained bid in the S&Ps. We did pull back mid-range on the session. If you took advantage of that 14 and a quarter area, you're looking okay here. A couple points, not blasting out of here. But what is blasting is NVIDIA. It said SIA at 230. Uh, the bulls are absolutely relentless in this one. Yeah. Yeah, pre-market high. We are trading highs. I would note that one, man. I would just jot down that pre-market high, and I'd say, hey, you know, just keep on going. Keep moving that stop up. But what a relentless bid. Almost over 4 million shares have traded in NVIDIA, Dennis. And, and again, all I do as a trader when I'm trading the indices is I'm looking under the hood all the time. And you mm -hmm. look and you're like, well, why are you buying a pullback on the GDP number? I'm NVIDIA like, well, is not going down. NVIDIA is not going down. Do you think NVIDIA is going to be up 12% and they're bringing this S&P down to the red? I mean, that's why I'm inclined to yeah. buy the dip there. So, and again, I'm getting rewarded for it now. We're not too far off from where I was buying. A little bit higher, though. You see, but, it's, it's such a, it's a tempered, it's just such a different kind of rally because, you, you know, you definitely have some people that kind of bought the dip yesterday, right? That they 
no great levels or anything, but they got a lead in the, you know, there was the last eight, nine minutes is where you had the rally and they're like, Oh, you know, it, you, you could feel the offers here. I still think mm. uh, getting through that uh, yesterday's high will be uh, the next burst on the upside. Uh, Aaron, what else do we have to cover uh, in today's show? We got a five minutes left. We can always go to ticker time, but uh, yeah, but any- it- if anyone's got tickers in the chat, I mean, we never got to Etsy or eBay. I mean, those are a little smaller. I uh, uh-huh. reported yesterday. Um, I, and again, I just want someone else made a comment. I think it's so funny right now. We're seeing all these upgrades roll in for NVIDIA. I mean, I went to journalism school and I think I could be an analyst right now for one of these banks. All I got to do is wait for a stock to go up and then I upgrade it or I wait for it to go down 20% and then I downgrade it. I mean, what, what do these guys do? Well, I mean, a lot, and and some of them do do some good research, and it is a tough job. I mean, you're always under the scrutiny of us <laughs> and everyone else here. Um, but yeah, there is a lot of analysts that simply adjust their price targets to where the stock is currently trading because they don't want to look bad. You know, they're upgrading it after the fact. I mean, I call those analysts the lemmings. Some of them, you know, we have some contrarian and obviously some great analysts. We bring in like Michael Pactor who, you know, sticks to his guns. He doesn't, you know, think about how much heat he took on Netflix all those years. Other analysts are changing their price targets. He doesn't do it. He's like, no, I still don't believe in it, even though I'm way off here. And he admits when he's wrong, too. So, you know, we can't just blanket them all and put them all but in the, in the same group. But a lot of them just chase price. And, you yeah, know, I, there's I just... trades off that, too, Aaron. Like, we talk about that. You know, and Kramer even talks about it. You get the stocks, had the big move. Well, you know, upgrades are coming tomorrow. Probably going to follow through again. So it's 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 just the type of market that we have that you know the analysts chase price and all, and that's not even the top it's it's always been the case I mean analysts have always chased price and I'm I'm kidding around obviously I don't think I could actually you know they do your they do do a lot of research and stuff and I read the I read a lot of the research reports and they're great info I mean I you know especially uh you know I, you know some of the like the the major if you read some of the reports from like JP Morgan Morgan Stanley like those are those are good reports and good information to have it's just funny when you see the price targets moving as soon as the the stocks move and I also think it's one you know it'll be one of those things where one analyst changes the price target and then the next oh, one yeah, will yeah, yeah. and then and then yeah, the domino yeah. starts falling so yeah. it's um, and it's called the ACP theory, and we, we talked about this a lot. And I think we named that uh, – this was a while ago back when uh, uh, Spencer was on the show. And there was a point with McDonald's. They it, it just was – I wish I could find it in pro. There was just a roulette like, – like maybe five analysts over the course of like two weeks, and it just kept on marching the stock up higher and higher. So – uh, do we got AT and T too? We had something where there was a downgrade, another downgrade, another downgrade, and it was like forever. It felt well, like one so. one that sticks out to me is during like the COVID markets when everything was running. Morgan Stanley, who I you know like like some big bank when they when one of the big banks that has like a good reputation, they put out like a crazy price target on Snapchat. It was like a hundred and twenty dollars or something. And just like looking back on it, I'm like, how could anyone look at Snapchat? You know, I, I don't know. I guess the times were different. Everyone, the interest rates were at zero, and everyone was buying everything. So maybe. Maybe that was the the realistic uh, price target at the time. But um, any other stocks, anything we should check out in the last two minutes? Let's um, do we do so, Etsy? Do we Etsy. Do Etsy? Let's, you go back to Etsy real quick. So we okay. got the, let me let me read the numbers real quick. Um, stock is trading. Let's see. All right. So revenue, Q1 revenue at uh, whoa. I'm seeing a really wide range here in pro. It says 600 million to 640 versus 620 million estimate EPS. Uh, misses the uh, 80 cent estimate came in at 77 cents sales. Okay, there we go. Sales beat uh, 807 million versus 750 million. So it looks like a decent report. Not great because you had that slight miss on EPS, but the the sales came in higher than expected. How's the stock looking, Joel? Now it's trading up. Wow, this thing got over 140. Holy mackerel, 141 this thing got to. Uh, but uh, we've had a little bit of a reset. Uh, when I see a stock like this, when I see a move down, I see a gap fill, I'm like, can they get back half of this move? So I'll give you a target here, a potential target. Nothing on the dailies, but uh, 137.50. If you're looking for more on this one ahead of the pre-market high. And then if you get a now, oh. The dailies are nice. Look at that. You had a daily high at 114.16 on the 16th, and they took it through it in the after hours to 141, but that didn't hold. Uh, Triple D, any comments on Etsy or is there another stock you'd like Citron to Citron has been giving this one heat here for um, 
um, the last week or so. So, you know, obviously Andrew left. We've had him on the show before too. Does uh, <laughs> He comes out with them. He does some great research over there. I mean, obviously, you know, there's skepticism toward Andrew's research, but he's right a lot of times too. And he's really been not a fan of Etsy here. I'm not going to fight Andrew on this. Um, stock's been coming up. I'm more of a seller into the rally. I think you get to the 140. I think you got major resistance up there. And just one piece of housekeeping before, uh, before going here. I just want to wish my father a very happy birthday. He's 72 here today. So okay. happy birthday, Dad. Woo! Um, yeah. So Big fan of the show. Big the, the, fan. The, the, he the, listens it. faithfully all the time. He doesn't trade stocks, but he listens faithfully. So happy birthday, Dad. And, and your mom is a very good analyst of the show. Um, she gives <laughs> yeah. some of the best critiques. So, all right, I'm going to sign out here at, uh, at 9.01. Uh, good call by Triple D on buying the dip there. We're just about mid-range on the session. And uh, just reiterating that uh, that yesterday's high, 25 even. Pre-market high, 24.50. I got nothing. I got, uh, I got old one stars, Dennis. If we get through there, I got all one stars, and that's going to be up to Monday's intraday high at 56 and a quarter. And that just happened to be two ticks from Friday in the weekly low. So uh, the Bulls got some uh, some heavy lifting to do to get up to that area. Another 30 handles that would fit in with the uh, average daily range. And uh, I say, Aaron, uh, pretty good job today uh, working Excellent out of job, the uh, – world headquarters and uh giving us uh a good substitute for uh for mitch today so happy yeah any, any feedback always appreciated so okay all right we'll check in with you Thanks, guys Aaron. later on everyone have a good day happy birthday to mr uh mr dick yep. all right everyone we'll be live on live trading here in a few minutes we'll be back on pre-market prep tomorrow morning do not go anywhere stick around for live trading all right it is time for pre-